the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you have all your Christmas shopping done week till Christmas, huh? Wow. Anyway, I still have this cough. It's 40 days now, but who's counting? Uh, I love my wife, but she uh, introduced me as a trained seal the other day. <laughs> I love the woman, but I'm not always sure why. Anyway, let's get started positively. We cannot change anything until we accept it. That's Charles, Carl Jung, the great psychiatrist. By the way, uh, there was a rumor that Genghis Khan said that to uh, one of the great Chinese nobleman who was supposedly leading, I can't remember what town it was, uh, but he said the same thing. So uh, two people quoted at the same time. Anyway, you know, we always direct you to uh, WHK 1420 AM. And if you go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes and uh, uh, the Smart Investor Show, uh, you can go right to my webpage and there you can see uh, you know, we have a newsletter called the Market Week. We have two newsletters that we send out. That one's uh, that one goes onto my webpage, and another one we send out actually. Um, and we also do a monthly. The monthly one's really, really good, I think. Investors Edge, which is a quarterly update, and the, and the daily technical analysis, which is, I think, is really good information. Uh, you know, sometimes if you see what's going on in the market, you understand a little bit better. Um, you know, uh, I I talked to several of people about, you know. How did you find these stocks that doubled? Uh, and there were two, Constellation Pharmaceuticals. And I actually got out too early on that one. I, uh, I bought it and I sold it uh, in, you know, uh, up a lot. And uh, then it went up about 10 more points. And I don't think I understand the story yet, but it was a test of four things for myelofibrosis. And uh, they were all four positive, but it wasn't even phase one test. So I don't know why everybody's getting excited. I think it's got a long way to go. But, it, you know, it was positive. Don't get me wrong. And the other one was uh, Orinia, which has a uh, product for lupus. Uh, but they're up a lot, so uh, I'm not recommending them. I'm just saying those are the ones I, I bought, and, uh, you know, sometimes we get lucky, right? Uh, we have a new uh, thing out, and if you'd like to get this, if you go to, you know, WHK 1420, go down to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, and just hit the, you know, uh, contact me or email me. Uh, we have our 2020 investment stance, and it's uh, got some really good stuff on there. And I still can't send out our best energy ideas. I think energy is getting ready to go. That's my opinion. But we have our global best uh, income ideas. And like I said, we've only had three or four people um, sign, sign up for this last one. It's the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. You know, I try to set up a credit line with a lot of my clients. And the reason I do is simply because you never need the credit line until you need it. Okay, that's number one. But this tells you how to how the, how it should fit in with your financial goals, and you know the the most rich people have used credit to their advantage. Okay, I'll just say that. Anyway, uh, we have a new newsletter out for December: uh, How to Give Like a Billionaire When You Don't Have the Billions to Give, uh, the Social Security Retirement Earnings Test, and five twenty nine plans for college. Uh, so that's good stuff. And I, you know, I'm only going to let this out one more week, I guess. Uh, I sent this to some people, but uh, the 2019 Technology, Internet, Media, and Telecommunications Conference, I found four new stocks that uh, those stocks have been doing really well for a couple years now. And so I found four new ones. I'll just say that. Um, the 100 largest owners of private pop in the U.S., newcomers and old uh, uh, timers together, have 40 million acres, an average, an area the size of Florida, or approximately 2% of the country's land mass. Isn't that amazing? In the latest academic cycle, uh, ended this spring, U.S. business schools received 135,000 applications for programs, including the traditional Masters of Business, down 9.1 from the prior year. So, obviously, uh, the Master's degree isn't as important as anymore, 
I guess. And according to a recent report by Global Workplace Analytics and FlexJobs, remote work has grown 159% since 2005 and risen 44% over the last five years. Uh, these days, according to Gallup, 43% of the work employees work remotely in some capacity. Very, very interesting. So anyway, um, look, it's the year end, and uh, you got to start thinking about taxes. And here's some tips. Planning pays off, okay? It, look, you should be looking over your capital gains right now for the year because a lot of people made a lot of money this year. Some people didn't. They sat out, <laughs> which I can't believe. But So you, you should be starting to take a look at, you know, do I have any losses I can go against? Uh, um you know, what are the changes that are going next year? Will I be at a lower rate next year than I will be this year? Those type of things. And do you have income you can defer? That's number two. That's a big one. Don't forget alternative minimum tax. You know, there's a lot of people forget about that. And if you own bonds or municipal bonds, you better not. And can you accelerate deductions? It's another one. And can you increase withholding to cover some shortfalls? Uh, I, I do that. And take any uh, required distributions that you need. You know, if, if you have a required minimum distribution on your IRA, your 70 and a half, you better be aware of that because they ha- hammer you on those. Uh, beware the net investment income. Don't forget the, uh, to account for the 3.8% net investment income tax. Uh, you know, it's there, folks. Uh, and the year-end investment decisions, I think, are really important. Look, now's the time to be looking at the stocks that are down because I think they're going to be ones that lead in January. And the ones that you're taking losses in aren't necessarily ones you want to be buying back. But there are similar situations out there. I talked about that last week. And then finally, you're not alone. Get help. You know, find a good accountant if you need one. I, I know a couple. All right. So I'll leave it at that. Now, so we had the FMOC meeting this week. And uh, I guess the key narrative we've been tracking since the Fed began this mid-cycle policy adjustment <laughs> in July has been the clear split at the Fed in two camps. Those who thought easing was necessary and those who do not. But the split is now gone as nearly all the officials uh, are on the same page and predict interest rates to be be on hold through 2020, which is a good positive situation. OK, and uh, so the consensus that the Fed should anchor yields across the Treasury curve around current levels. Now, there is one thing, you know, a lot of people bought U.S. bonds. And if if the. Um, if for some reason, you know, interest rates were to go up and they start losing money, uh, the dollar might go up with it, um, it, might go up or might go down with it. Right now, somebody asked me, what, what would you do uh, before the end of the year? And my first thing would be I'd be ma- maximizing my retirement contributions, uh, your 401k, your IRA, you know, your uh, whatever IRA you have, Roth or whatever, you know, uh, check on them for next year, too, because they're, they're going up next year. Max out your HSA your health savings, you know, don't let any of that stuff sit because the government gets that afterwards. Review your tax allowances, okay? Uh, Use your flexible spending account as much as you can. Uh, Don't forget to take your RMDs again. Uh, Charitable giving is a good time for this time of thing, and and use a gift, uh, annual gift exclusion, okay? Exclusion, I'm sure. But, you know, next year, maximize your savings best you possibly can. And, you know, uh, look, uh, we don't know when the next downturn is going to be, but, you know, Getting ready for it in an upturn makes a lot of sense. All right, so there we go. Um, you know, look, uh, there's negative uh, headlines concerning impeachment and economic growth, and, and trade wars have dominated the market uh, news recently. The S&P 500 is currently having its second best year over the last 20 years. And as investors approach the home stretch of 2019, it's time to take stock uh, of the year in equities. And, uh, you know, look, I, I, I've been saying all year long, don't get bearish, don't get bearish, don't get bearish. And so what we saw is that the P.E. ratio uh, rebounded more than 20 percent in the last 12 month earning period. Now, look, I think small caps are going to lead the way. I think the S&P 500 might be uh, flat for maybe a year, year and a half. Uh, a lot of valuations stretched there. Now, a lot of the valuations are stretched in the bigger capitalization names. Some of the smaller capitalization names are the bottom hundred might do well, but they don't really affect the S&P 500 much. So there we go, okay? Now, boy, I'm looking at oil and gas, and, and I I think Dan Smith, you know, who writes the inside pitch for us, said it right. My head hurts. And, you know, you look at these things, and and you wonder what's going on. Uh, 
you know, if, if you were to model these tools, the supply and demand for crude oil on a relative basis with demand growing at a slow pace and supply keeping pace with it, it would be reasonable to conclude that we'd expect relatively stable oil prices going forward. And the, the key is, is these guys got to start to worry about cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And that's what they're starting to do. And I, I think we've seen a bottom, but I don't know. You know, you never know. Now look, I talked about tax loss selling and how, you know, you could take a tax loss and use an ETF if you want to stay in that group. Like we talked about retail. You know, you, you sell Gap or Macy's and you buy the retail ETF, okay? Now, the other part of, of tax loss selling is to be looking for bounce plays going into January. Because there's going to be some tax loss selling over the next two weeks, count on it. But there's a lot of good-looking charts out there where I think you can make some money by buying the tax loss, you know, bounce. Now these should, you know, the smaller cap names will probably doing uh, do better than the larger cap names usually. But there we go. Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, one of the things that's happened, and I've been talking about this for a while, is healthcare and biotechnology have really done well, and they're. Their fund scores or their graphing average score that our friends at Dorsey Wright use have shot from two all the way to four point two one, which is way well above average, which I think is uh, really good. And seasonally, they are really good through usually uh, April. So the other group that has really improved in the last month has been industrials. Uh, they have gone from you know three point five to almost four point five uh, four point six five. So. Uh, there we go. Now, we did have uh, Armaco's uh, shares come public this week, and they were up 10%. Although they priced them at, at a low end, by the way, and they had a lot of Saudi citizens buy. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they were really enthusiastic about it. I will say this. Small Cap Group has been the best performer uh, of all the asset classes over the last 30 days, and I expect that to continue. I also noticed that the small, the bullish percent for small cap stocks Went into bull confirmed status. Remember when the Dow did that in October, the first week of October. And what happened? We're up 10%. We're up 11% from there. All right. That was that, you know, melt up I talked about. But I have a list of small cap stocks that really, really look good. Uh, the other thing I noticed was home builder stocks, you know, which we talked about. You know, they broke out big right after I t- talked about them back in, uh, I guess it was, you know, May or June. And they've pulled back a little bit, and everybody's starting to panic. And I think, eh, that, that's now's not the time to panic. A couple other things. The OAX matrix, I look at this thing, and I notice that, you know, healthcare has been the biggest upside mover. And I'll say that again. But, um, and I also noticed the positive trend for all the sector funds have, has bounced up. But one of the groups that I thought was really interesting was agriculture. Boy, agriculture was way down, and it just blew out to the upside. And uh, there's several ETFs that are starting to look pretty good. Uh, Moo, <laughs> Moo broke a triple top. Uh, and after broke a triple top a while back, bro- broke a triple top. So that's always a good sign, all right? I also think the Fed's insurance cut looks like it's set to pay off. So uh, stay tuned, and uh, we'll be right back with some more news. This is Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. Just tuned in, Smart Investor Show. And if you want, by the way, we do provide you with a lot of materials. And, um, you know, I was talking earlier about uh, some things that I think are really significant. Uh, number one is our global insights for 2020. Uh, also, we have the dividend growth portfolio, our top ideas, our prime income list. These have been very good ideas. And then we have our telecommunicate, our technology internet and media and telecommunications story and or our uh, our uh, newsletter that if you'd like to get that too. So uh, if you'd like any of these, please call in. Uh, you can call me at 888-223-7742. You want to sit down and have a cup of coffee, talk about your portfolio, we can do that too. Or you can just go to WHK1420 and uh, uh, you know hit the contact me or email me uh, scenario and, and we'd be glad to get these out to you. So I thought I'd talk about fund flows and, you know, for the week from 1128 to 125, U.S. equities had a net inflows of 11 million bucks. Uh, international equity, 1.9. Fixed income was 3, 3 million or 3 billion. I'm sorry. These are all billions. Commodities at a net uh, of 321 
million outflows. Okay, so uh, I thought that very interesting. Now, what's interesting is that for the year 2019, we had the biggest withdrawal of of money from equity funds ever. So while we're going up, all these people are getting out. I love it. I mean, there's nothing more bullish than that. So this year we broke the record from back from 16, where we had 125 million taken out to 135.5 with the inflows last week. <laughs> so here we are in the best year in 20 years in the S&P 500, and everybody's getting out. That's a, it's just amazing. Uh, now, if I look at November, U.S. equities had 15.9 billion. Uh, billion dollars come in and uh th- that we also had 13.3 come into international equities and 6.7 go into into bonds which they're probably down on now okay because they, they got, got beat up but look technology industrials real estate and financials are the top four asset classes right now but healthcare is the one that improved the most in the last month so uh healthcare will be very very interesting I also think, you know, it's just a couple things that I'm highlighting is the semiconductor index looks like it broke another double top and semiconductors have been strong all year. I think I've been on that for most of it. The other thing is the, if I look at the uh, financials, the financials, uh, especially the first trust alpha decks financials, you know, those people do great work. They, they broke a spread six template top, (laughs) Uh, you know, so we have six tops going along here and we've broken through that. That is significant. The more tops you break in point and figure charts, the more likely the outcome is going to be in your favor, whether it's up or down. So I would think the financials may lead the way coming up here, but look, um, I was looking at things. I, um, I was looking at, you know, the stock market rallies and the sentiment is narrowing. I mean, people are just not bullish and, Generally speaking, the, the, the week, weekly data supports the concept that the individual investor tends to be over bullish at market tops and overly bearish at market bottoms. All right. And right now we're just not enough people bullish. I mean, people, we're still in the 33, 34 percent area. So I don't see anything. I don't I don't see anything that says we're going to have a top. Now, I was looking at the Dow and I saw five Dow stocks that I think are ready to break out. Uh, but I'm not telling anybody what the, who they are. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, the thing's been going crazy for a while. Uh, but there's there's five of them. I, I own most of them, by the way, uh, with my clients, and and some with me, by the way. And so that's good. But um, look, one of the things I I think you don't want to do right now is chase winners. All right. Look, let the if you're going to trade or you're going to invest, let the stock come to you. Uh, now, uh, you know, look, I'm guilty of it as anybody else is. A lot of people do it, but uh, there's a lot of names out there that are that are rambling. Okay, they're they're going crazy. Don't chase them. Let them come back or let them sit for a while. Don't you know if they break out? Uh, you know, I own a company called Keysight uh, at a much lower level, and I'm not recommending this. But you know. Let it come back to its uptrend line, and if it does, then jump on top of it. Uh, you know, Keysight is one that I bought way back in the fifties, and it's now in the hundreds, so I'm not recommending it. But you know, when you have something like that, you don't want to chase it now. Okay, it's up a lot. You just you you wait for it to come back. Uh, also, um, you know, somebody asked me, Tim, if I don't own stocks, where would you go? And look, I I think you want to look at the relative rotation. Um, you know, of, of stocks. And, um, if you don't want to be a hundred percent invested in stocks, what I'd be looking at is stuff like, um, the corp, the, the corporate bond area. Um, you know, it seems to be, a, you know, a lot of money going into there. Um, it, it's kind of hard to tell you at this point, but commodities are really out of favor. That's another area. Now, look, come on. Everybody says, Oh, commodities are really risky. Commodities are only really risky with the way they play them on the exchanges because they, they go in for 10%, all right? They're basing it on a 10% margin. But if you buy them with cash, you're not in so bad a shape, okay? But you can also now buy them in ETFs, and they don't use leverage, and that's the important part. So, uh, look, I, I, 
I looked at um, some of the, you know, like the the treasury bonds look like they're topping. The the bonds in the uh, in the corporate area look like they've broken out. I'll just say that. All right. So what else would I be doing? Well, look, I think uh, this what we just had was a short term shallow pause. And I told you, I said, that, don't get bearish. OK, this is a four year cycle. We remain within a bullish long term cycle that, you know, we're beginning the four year cycle, which is usually very bullish. And I think um, any equity market correction will will remain shallow for now. Uh, There'll be choppy consolidations, you know, and there's short term indicators will underwind from overbought levels and all that good stuff. Uh, You know, we'll be we'll have tariff deadlines and all sorts of stuff like that. Don't get bearish. Remember, for five years now. The Federal Reserve has been doing, you know, tightening the money supply. They've been taking $50 billion out of the market every month. They raised interest rates eight, nine times. They just lowered them three times and they're no longer taking money out. That is a change. You've got to change with it. Okay. It's that simple. So look, I I look at the uh, tactical or intermediate term indicators and uh, they likely to have peaked following, you know, the big move we just had and, and it'll take a while for them to, to, to get, you know, to, to go, go away a little bit. You know, you know, you, you, when you get an overbought situation, it's got to go away and it goes away once or two, two ways, time or price. Okay. Simple as that. But look, the participation remains very broad and the laggards are starting to emerge. And remember, I've always talked about, it's important that you just don't send the Kings and the Knights out to fight the battle. You need the foot soldiers. You need the archers. You need the guys you know, throw, with with the artillery coming behind you, and if they're smoking cigarettes in in the in the uh, in the field or in the barracks and drinking coffee, that's not a big help. They're starting to come. The financials are starting to to bring out leadership. That's very important. Industrials too. Retail. There are some retails a fifty fifty proposition. Oil services are starting to to a uh, you know move ahead. That's been a big lagger. And and some of the technology and telecommunications, I know the the 5G stocks were up big on Thursday. All right. So, look, the, the psycho, cyclical backdrop remains bullish. you got to just remember that. There's four main cycle barometers, momentum, price, relative price to bonds, and the advanced decline line. And they all remain positive. So I don't see anything that's out there that's going to uh, dump on us the, that – What's really interesting is the Russell 2000 broke five tops last week on a point and figure chart and the relative performance broke out five tops is a lot. It's not six tops, like I said earlier, but it's five tops. So if the Russell breaks out again, which I think it did Friday, uh, that would be a huge positive. That might mean that the small caps are finally coming back. Remember, small caps have been a huge part of the return of that 10.5% return that the that the market has given over the last 75 years. A huge part of that has been small caps. The other part has been large caps with dividends, which we've been talking about ad nauseum here for a long, long time. Now, growth broke down on a daily basis versus value, then rallied back up and is now kind of stalling. So it'll be interesting to see. I noticed that the foreign markets, the EEM and the EFA, just used a couple, uh, I'm looking at a whole bunch of other ones, have broken out and now pulled back, and now it's starting to creep back up. EEM broke above the old high. That's positive. So I think we've hit a cyclical low on those. The 10-year yields, you know, uh, we, we, we went down to that, that the three times we've hit this, these 1.379 mark, and, and now we've bounced off it. Uh, the momentum continues to rebound. Uh, and I, I think, you know, if you look at the TLT is making a series of lower highs. These are the treasury bonds. Now, remember, if the dollar starts to decline, I think you're going to see a lot of these guys in Germany dump their U.S. bonds. OK, so you got to be careful. Uh, you got to be paying attention to that. So remember, buy yield when it's up. It's down right now. So you don't want to be uh, jumping on that. The dollar, you know, is, looks like it's making a little bit of a lower high. Uh you know, it's it's failing under the resistance uh, from the two, you know, the the, the move up from 218, uh, 2018 to 2019. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, we just got to keep watching that. Crude's in this big, huge triangle formation. So it'll be interesting to see how we break out from there. I think there's plenty of crude, but you never know. Um, 
the, the U.S. dollar, I want to get back to that because I, I, I forgot to mention that it did make a little bit of a double top just recently. Remember, if the dollar goes down, foreign stocks go up. Commodities go up. That's why I mentioned commodities earlier. And I looked at gold, and the gold futures have not broken the downtrend line from the breakout this summer, but the GDX did. Now, that's the, that's the large cap uh, gold stocks. So that, that's interesting. I wonder if the, the gold will follow. And copper and lumber look just fantastic. Uh, lumber looks like it's making a big, large, you know, huge three-year round bottom. And copper has broken out uh, against gold and is now leading the way. It's interesting. Southern copper's broken out. Freeport's just creeping up a little bit. And, uh, you know, Freeport, I think, you know, is kind of interesting um, because it's so cheap, you know. So we'll we'll see if this if this copper move is for real because Freeport and Southern Copper should go up. Uh, I'm not suggesting that you buy these or not because you, you never know if the if the copper is going to go up. And then finally the financials, man, they they broke big. You know, a six it's a six tuple stop uh, t- a top that they broke out, and the relative performance versus the S and P 500 is improving. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, and if you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of me, want to talk? 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Uh, or you can go to WHK1420, go to local podcasts, down to, to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show, and uh, you can go directly to my webpage there. And uh, there's all sorts of contact me, email, email me, et cetera. Uh, I did notice a couple people from Kansas City have been listening. Uh, I talked at length uh, with a gentleman out there and his wife, who are sharp people. Man, they, I was impressed. Uh, you know, the, the Royal fans, though. So I, you know, I, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. They're they're great. They're great folks. And um, but you know, it's amazing um, that the the thought process is different in different parts of the country. Okay. And I'll just leave it at that because, uh, I mean, they, their thoughts were much different than some of the thoughts I've got from some of the people that are listening on the East Coast and some of the people that live in Cleveland. So anyway, we talk about the bullish percent all the time on this show. And all it is is it tells us how much risk we're dealing with at the, at the, the particular time. It's just a chart from zero to 100. When you get over 70, that's the red zone. That's when everything's, you know, get up and go. And, and once you get over 70, it doesn't mean you have to sell right away. It just means the risk is higher. You know, you wait for pullbacks, et cetera. When you get below 30, that's when nobody's opening their 401k statements. You know, they don't want to open any kind of their brokerage statements. It's just a bummer. All right. That's when you should be greedy. When you get over 70, that's when the red zone, that's when it's too hot to handle for Tim. All right. Now, if we're in a column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. We get Baker Mayfield and, and, uh, and, and boy, we get a couple of great running backs this year, don't we? Uh, and we get the running backs, we hand the ball off if it's in the 70s. But, you know, we, we go wrong. We go long if it's in the 30s. We throw the bomb, okay? So the, the key is, is also is what, where we are in position in, the, in technical analysis is are domestic equities the number one asset class or are they the last lowest form of life? Right now, they're the best asset class in the world. Now, back in 07 and 08, they were the lowest form of life. And that's why I said on the air that I thought the money market would outperform the stock market. Okay? And I said it for months. Now, it's number one. You ride with the winner. Okay? And right now, we're up 1% to 56%. So we're up there, but we're not terribly up there. Okay? It's, it's not like it's the end of the world. Um, the small caps index, we're up, up just a half a point to 47 that's a good place to buy. So small cap looks really good. And world index is at 43. It's in a column of X's. 43 is a great place to buy. All right. So the world indexes look the best, small caps and then large caps. Uh, but all all three are in X's. So we have the offensive team on the field. Uh, you know, the high-low indicators advance on all of them. So that's a, that's a big positive. Uh, you know, and I was looking at the weekly uh, dynamic asset level investing, and I, I thought it was kind of interesting. If you look at the first half of December, the the Standard Poor's averages a negative point zero three percent 
the Dow Jones is negative 0.22%, and small cap returns are negative 5.3. By the end of the month, small caps are up 2.26%, the Dow's up 1.22%, and S&P up 1.29%. So, look, December is one of the best months in the end for, for stocks. It's one of the best months, November and, and June and February are the other one. Oh, well, I should say August. Some, sometimes August, you know, you have a sell-off and then it's, a, you know, takeoff. <laughs> all right. So we looked at the, all the major averages, um, and we noticed something this week. You know, the Dow and uh, the uh, S&P and, and the QQQs and the XLGs were all positive for like five, six, six straight weeks. They went negative. Uh, and, and the emerging markets and, and some of the other ones were negative and they looked like they turned positive Friday. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to go on a limb and say absolutely, but that was kind of interesting. The small cap index though, did break five tops this week. And, uh, not only the, uh, the, the iShare small cap 600 index fund from that, from S and P IJR, but also the, uh, the Russell, they, they broke broke five tops so small caps are where you want to probably be and the number of favored sectors came in at 17 again so two weeks in a row at 17 so we're broadening out with some of the laggards are starting to work you know that's been what's been missing all year long we've, we've had this market rally and it's been on fewer stocks now we're starting to sp- spread out now so what i'm going to do i'm going to talk about the favored sectors here and i'm going to go down the higher the favored sector is you want to wait on those, okay? And when we go down, that's where you want to get more aggressive. So building and gaming are at 70%. You want to hold off on that. Machinery and electric utilities are 65 uh, Still want to wait. Real estate, semiconductors, forest and paper products, and, and steel are at 60 Waste management at 55 That's probably a pretty good place to start. Uh, leisure, computers, healthcare, transportation, elect, uh, electrical products, are at 50, great place to start. Restaurants are at 45. Biotech and housing are at 40, which are great places to look. Um, we have two groups under 30, oil and oil service. <laughs> That's enough to be said. Now, we have a lot of stocks in, in bulk and firm status. Uh, drugs, the Internet, uh, media, precious metals, and non-ferrous metals uh, that are not in favored status. So those are the ones we're going to look for for them to turn back up, you know, so you, you want to be looking for those kind of, you know, marking your time and seeing if they go. Now, leisure went into favored status this week. Uh, retail was, which is unfavored, bounced up and is now neutral. And Wall Street, which was really favored, has headed south. So be careful there. Uh, usually that that's just telling you, hey, they're correcting, you know. So uh, international equities. And I looked at a f- few different things. The emerging markets, you know, I told you they – They'd come right back to their downtrend line. I mean, their, yeah, their downtrend line that they broke through. And now they've reversed back up. So the, the technical picture for EEM has improved. And, and a lot. Of, and I'm just using EEM. I'm, I looked at a lot of these ETFs, and a lot of them have improved drastically. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting uh, because these, you know, new, these normally go up when the dollar goes down. And the, the EFA... Um, on a year-to-date performance, has about a ten percent gain, and uh, given the the volatile nature of the emerging markets, already many of you may be seeking a way to improve your returns o- over that ten percent. If you stayed here in the U.S., which I, I mean, a lot of people say they're going international. I said nah, not till the dollar breaks hard, and uh, people thought I was nuts, but uh, you know that's the way it works. Uh, <laughs> the um, the you know if you looked at like some of the mutual fund groups, and I was looking at, um, or the ETF groups, mutual fund was what I'm going to call them, First Trust and Crane Shares. If you would have stayed with their foreign equity markets, you would have averaged uh, about 15 16% this year. So I think you got to find the people who know what they're doing instead of buying the general ETF, okay? People who, you know, like, for example, the First Trust people use AlphaDex. And what AlphaDex is basically a cash flow model. Okay, cash is king, folks. If you have good cash flow, usually going to go up. It's that simple. So, um, I had I, I talked to Doris this week, and Doris is a very bright lady, and she knows, boy, she knows her yields. Uh, 
And she asked me, um, you know, what would you be doing with the fixed income account right now? And look, I always wait till yields get, you know, get to go up a hundred percent. And then I start buying. Okay. Uh, you know, two years ago, yields were three and a half percent. And I said, you buy yield when it's up. I said it for six straight weeks on this show. And, um, by the way, our, on podcast, you know, so you can hear my podcast going back a couple of years, I believe here at WHK 1420 AM. Um, and you know, yields are down. So, uh, the best looking bonds at this point, I think, are the general long bond, the convertible bond. And I keep talking about that. And there's one group that is phenomenal in corporate uh, convertible bonds. Um, the long duration and the U.S. long government bond, uh, you know, they're pretty oversold. So now, look, um, convertible bond price behavior changes as the underlying equity value increases. So if you get the right equity, and you're buying the bonds, things could get really interesting. Commodities, you know, oil has been positive for about seven weeks now. Uh, and that's, I think that's mostly because the Saudis wanted the Ramco deal to go pretty well. Gold's been negative for 14 weeks. And that, that could get interesting really quick because 14 weeks is a long time in my business. A long, long time. And copper's been positive for two weeks and corn's been negative for five weeks too. So um, commodities... I mean, since 2011, they've been, it's been a lost decade for them. They've, they've been nowhere to be found, all right? And I, I don't know if they're coming back anytime soon, but it seems to me, uh, I mean, look, the Commodity Research Bureau Index is where it was in 1973. It's down 74% from its high. So it'll be interesting to see if they do come back and, and uh, uh, you, you're going to need inflation for that. And I don't think the Fed's, the Fed has not, taken off on the break yet okay and they there's still millions and billions of dollars in, on the reserve side of the bank's balance sheet that they can't use or not allowed to use so until that starts to happen the banks aren't going to be lending like crazy trust me on that one all right so now we talk about relative strength and relative strength is very important it's a measure of how a stock is performing when compared to something else in this case we look at the equal weighted index of the s&p 500 equal weight means just that each stock gets one vote the S&P 500 that they talk about on TV is capitalization weight. So the bigger stocks have a bigger influence. Each day, the closing price is divided by that of the resulting numbers, and the decimals move two places and then plotted on a point and figure chart. It's that simple, okay? So these are buys. Now, sometimes buys last a long time. Danaher had a buy back in 2001, and it still has a buy, okay? So you want to write some of these names down. Um, Bellfuse, which is industrial goods. National Beverage, which is... Uh, you know, the, uh, well, it's an interesting play. Clearwater Papal Corp, um, Express, LSI Industries, Skyline Champion, Spectrum Pharmaceuticals, which we have a great report on, by the way, uh, Star Surgical, Skyworks, uh, Tilly's, GTT Communications, Land's End, Intercellular Therapeutics, Arena Therapeutics, I own both of those, by the way, Jounce Therapeutics and Rubius Therapeutics, and Livent. And on the sell side, and this is interesting because this went to a sell on Wednesday, <laughs> Sienna, and on Friday, uh, Thursday it was up eight bucks. Sienna, I, I personally own some of that. So, uh, Cons, Francisco Holdings, Crestwood Equity Li- uh, Limited Partnership, Textron, and Ultralife Battery. So, remember, uh, when you have a sell, it's not, it, it means that you got to be checking the fundamentals. I've seen some of the sells get taken over. Just, just a hint. Okay. Look, we'll be right back with Insider. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Well, I've made it through three parts of the show, and I'm, I'm gonna be, probably not going to be able to talk for the rest of the day. So uh, there you go. It happens sometimes. Anyway, um, once again, if you go to WHK1420, you want to have a conversation with me, you want to sit down and uh, review your portfolio or just talk about the markets, you know, go to the contact me or email me, uh, WHK1420, go to a uh, local podcast down at Tim Hayes. It goes right to my webpage and, uh, uh, you know, I'll be glad to talk to you. Or you can call me, which is 888-223-7742. And then you can, uh, I suggest that, you know, there's lots of things, you can, uh, ideas you can get from us are, our technology, internet, media, and telecommunications 
uh, conference information. Our investment stands for 2020, our global best income ideas, and the Savvy Investors Credit Workbook. If you don't know how to use credit, you're in trouble. Also, we have our dividend growth portfolio, which has been doing pretty well, and our prime income list. So stay, you know, top ideas too. I'm beginning to talk about our global ideas, and I probably should talk more about that. Uh, I'd like to see the dollar, you know, when the dollar goes down, global ideas go up, commodities go up. Dollar isn't breaking down yet. I think it's going to go sideways. So, all right, now we talk about insiders. I look for big insider purchases, okay? And uh, what what I'm looking for is uh, especially is either multiple buyers or big buys, okay? Uh, the little buys, it's hard to keep track of. So Health Sciences Acquisition Corp., which is a new issue a while back, uh, the CEO bought $4.1 million. And then right after that, three others bought 208, 204, 203, and 203. So lots of buyers, five buyers and, and, and big things. Also, uh, Canay Holdings, which is an asset management company, uh, one of the directors bought $1.9 million. Another director bought 165000 Another director bought 265000 and a third director bought two hundred sixty-four thousand. So a lot of buyers, uh, almost at a new high too, uh, which is kind of interesting. And then we we have um, Cloudera. Now I noticed the C the a director, uh, Mister Cole uh, Cole Martin is his name. Oh, Martin Cole, I'm sorry, but one hundred thirty-four thousand dollars worth, which is seven hundred twenty thousand dollars worth. But I forgot to. This is one I I forgot to bring to my show one day, and it was Carl Icahn bought nine. Uh, 19.59% to the company or 51,795,218 shares. That's a lot. So now we have the uh, director buying uh, some more stock and uh, he's gone from, I mean, he just basically hit, he had 50,000 shares. He, he bought, he's now at 250. So he, he bought quite a bit and Carl Icahn's pretty smart money. And now this is a company that, that bought uh, Horton, which, uh, Came public and, and had bright prospects and couldn't it couldn't perform. Let's put it that way. So it'll be interesting to see. Cloudera is uh, obviously in the cloud and and they have some really interesting software. Um, I think they're in for some big government contracts and they get one of those. I think they're off to the races probably. And Rocket Pharmaceuticals, which hit a new high last week at twenty seven, I think it was twenty eight, pulled back to twenty one, and uh, RIW Investors bought five. Uh, million six thousand dollars worth and then regional management which is a uh a regional bank uh pulled back from its high of 35.50 to 31 and basswood capital bought 1.788 million shares or dollars and then another hundred forty six thousand dollars worth and uh, they do own a pretty big position already so that's a regional bank that's that financials i talked to you about remember uh six tipple spread top that they broke and then Kodiak Sciences, the stock went from 30 to 68. And the Baker Brothers step up and buy uh, $87,499,000 worth or 1.902 million shares. The Baker Brothers, folks, are smart money when it comes to biotechnology. And uh, Immumedics, which is a name that the Seattle Genetics tried to acquire a while back, Avro Capital bought $35 million worth of stock just recently. And Sage, which just got killed, uh, and our analyst seems to think that uh, it, it, the wrong signal was sent. Let's just put it that way. But the chief science officer bought $1.6 million worth. The CFO bought $480,000 worth. Uh, a CEO, I'm sorry. And the CFO bought uh, 15,000 shares, which is, uh, I'm not sure how much that is. Um, so that, you know, that's what you like to see when the stocks get whacked. Um, H.A. Bello, which was, uh, you know, a $3.5 stock a month ago, uh, is now $2.93. Uh, the CEO bought $3.35 million worth. And, and, and then PBF Energy, these guys buy every day. Uh, Inversero, uh, you know, Carso Inversero, he bought another uh, $9.3 million. Then two days later, he bought about $8.74 million. And then uh, for you guys that like to, guys and gals that like to roll the dice, uh, Nvidia Biopharma, a one dollar stock, uh, a ten percent owner bought another five hundred and fifty three thousand dollars worth. So I mean, 
you, you like to see when 10% owners are still buying. Okay. It's that simple, especially after the stock's gone from, you know, basically $5 down to one. All right. So anyway, um, I was looking at some things and, uh, if I make it through this last five minutes, I'll be very happy. But, uh, um, the retail sales numbers for November came out uh, Friday morning, and it was interesting because retail index is making this triangle pattern, and I didn't notice that it moved at all Friday. So it'll be interesting to see how it breaks. Uh, you know, if the Fed's interest rate cuts have done their thing, it should break to the north. If not, you know, we'll let you know later on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, People keep asking me, what do you expect? Well, look, the market continues to be mixed in performance. And I think what you're going to see is like the Dow and the S&P 500 are up against their uptrend lines. Okay. So when you have an uptrend, you you can connect the the higher lows and the higher highs. And that becomes your uptrend. You draw a line between those. And we're at the top of the, the uptrend line on the high side for both of those. Now, the S, S&P and, and the Dow you know, that means they're probably going to, you know, just move along and they could go sideways. They go down. Okay. Corrections occur either, you know, corrections are either time, meaning nothing happens or, you know, you have a price correction. So if we have a price correction, you would think the Dow would get down to about, you know, 26,250, somewhere around there. That'd be the low end of the range. If we have a a time correction, we just go sideways for a while. Uh, The S&P 500 is in the same spot. And I would just suggest that if we go down, the SP 500 right around 29.25 is you know where you want to buy. If not, it's going to go sideways for a while. We don't know what which one that is. Now, what's interesting is both the mid cap and the small cap stocks have broken out. And remember, small cap stocks went into bull confirmed status this week. You may recall back in the first week of October, I said that the bullish percent went into bull confirmed status. Since that date. We're up 11, almost 11%. We're up 10.79. That ain't bad. That was my melt up I was telling you about. In a month, in a month and two months, you know, you go up 10%. That's not a bad time. All right. So the, I think the small caps are where you want to be. All right. I like them, especially going into January because there's the small cap effect. You know, there's, there's a tax loss selling that goes on. And, and then we come back. You know, January, the the managers out there are willing to take a chance again. Okay, it's the beginning of the year. They can roll the dice a little bit, and they get more cautious at the end of the year. So they sell their losers. They don't want them showing up in their portfolios. All right? But small caps have broken out. They are now in bull-confirmed status. They're below 50. And by the way, the international stocks are be- below 43. So those are some places I would be looking. And so our ADR list would probably be a really great place to look. Look, Boris Johnson, I don't know if Boris Johnson won it, but the Conservative Party just rocked this week in England. That might be a good place to, to look, okay? Uh, you know, the, the banks there rallied big. Uh, a lot of the consumer stocks there rallied big, okay? So um, some of the foreign stocks are starting to look interesting. Both the developed and the emerging. So those are a couple places I'd be looking. On top of it, I think the small caps are starting to pick up, all right? Now, if you look at the S&P 500, on the other hand, we're at the top end of the, the trading band, okay? So if you have a 10-week trading band, we're at the top. We're, we're 74% overbought. Now, we're not 160% overbought, but it's rare that um, uh, anything goes that high in, in an index. Stocks go that high. Stocks go to 160, 170% sometimes. Now, look, technologies, industrials, financials, and consumer cyclicals are the top four spots in dynamic asset level investing that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with. Healthcare is the most improved. Healthcare was second to last next to energy, and now healthcare is improved by about 20, uh, 20 points. So think about that. I also think, you know, gold has pulled back and the GDX has broken out. That's the big cap gold stocks. Now, what usually happens when that breaks out is gold follows it. You know, gold either leads or follows the GDX. And then the small caps, you might want to start to look at those. Okay. So I think 
Uh, you want to polish up your gold ideas, <laughs> shall we say. All right. Now, uh, what would I be doing now? I, I think some, there's a lot of great ideas out there. I think the dividend growth portfolio is a perfect scenario here. If you miss the first 10%, you know, you want that dividend. Uh, our top ideas, our, our best global ideas, uh, our prime income list, uh, although there's a lot of utilities and a lot of uh, REITs on there. So you want to be a little bit careful with those right at the moment. Because remember, you want to buy those when yields are up. Yields are not up right at the moment. A couple other things I highly recommend. The Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Uh, if you don't know how credit lo- works, if you don't know how to manage your credit, uh, if you don't know how to evaluate your credit needs, this is a good little piece for you, okay? If you use credit properly, it can make you rich. It's that simple. We also have our RBC Capital Markets Technology, Internet, Media, and Telecommunications Conference. I found four really good ideas in this, this uh and I think it's a great piece. I'm only going to leave it for another week. And then our 2020 investment stance. I can't, can't tell you how important that is. Our, our global energy best ideas. Um, I don't know if I could still send that out, but I think you better start thinking about energy. And our global best income ideas is the next one. I, I think those are all, all really good places to you know, be starting to search for ideas. If you, if you don't want to read those and you don't know what you're doing, call me. 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Uh, I don't bite. Um, I don't hound you. Uh, you. You know, a lot of people have sent in, and I send out an occasional email. Uh, if you if you want me to call you, I call you. If you don't, then I don't. It's that simple. Um, so anyway, have a great weekend. Uh, I hope you get all your Christmas shopping. This is Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Hour. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.